Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, good Monday. Welcome to the Sean Spicer Show. I hope you had a good weekend. Today is 9-11. It is the 22nd remembrance of that fateful day when earlier in the morning, plane struck the Twin Towers and then a heroic group of Americans sacrificed their lives, took down a plane that landed in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. It's been an interesting 22 years since that day and we're gonna talk about where we've come since then. Are we a safer country? Are we doing what's necessary to root out evil and protect do enough people remember 9-11? We're going to break that down a little bit later in the show because I think we need to do our part to never forget. But there's a lot more going on, a lot happening in Washington and in the world of politics that we need to get to. The biggest thing I think right now is this idea of Trump versus Biden. Everyone keeps saying it's Trump versus Biden, but then on each side, there are forces trying to tear that equation apart. Folks on the left using this 14th Amendment, third clause in there, to potentially restrict Donald Trump from even getting on the ballot. And then on the left, over and over again, calls that Joe Biden's not ready to continue to be president. In fact, Kamala Harris interviewed this weekend, reiterated that she's ready to take over, but he doesn't need it. We'll break that all down. Um, Nancy Pelosi also announcing that in her 80s, she will be seeking reelection. Why? I don't know. And here's the other fun thing. We talked last week about Anthony Fauci and the word salad that he had on Smirconish show on CNN. Well, guess what? This weekend, number one, he was back on the airways getting a softball chance to make up, but also Smirconish on CNN played what we had to say about it. We'll get to that in a little bit. But as I mentioned, a little later in the show, we're going to talk to a guy on Instagram who goes by veteran with a sign. His name is Zach Bell. He is a Afghanistan veteran. And he's gonna to talk to us about how far we've come since that war, the sacrifice that so many have made. All right, let's get into it. All right, guys, uh, I know it's been a long weekend, so do me a favor. If you haven't already, take a second and make sure you're subscribing all over the place. I appreciate it. We are continuing to grow, and it's because of you, so thank you for that. I appreciate everybody sharing the show. Um, anyway, a lot to get to today, so I don't want to bore you with that, but for those of you who are subscribing on YouTube and Rumble and Apple, it's helpful. That's where everyone looks to see if we're growing, and we're doing a great job. Thank you for that. Um, man, Biden just continues to have a horrible weekend. Uh, maybe it's because he's not working and he's taken like 18 vacations. He had to take a vacation from his vacation. But he gets these poll numbers that continue to come in showing that his own party's not with him. I want to lay out for you, though, my prediction as to where this thing goes. Because everyone keeps talking about, well, this one's going to get substituted in. Listen, 
Just mark this down, save this episode, write it down, whatever you want to do. But I'm going to lay this out for you. I wrote a book uh, about a year and a half ago called Radical Nation. And you have to understand what Biden's really trying to do. He wants to become the most progressive president ever. And he knows he's not doing it through accomplishment, right? Inflation's through the roof. Foreign policy's a mess. The military is facing shortages. I mean, wherever you turn, even Biden said in that interview with David Muir, wherever you go, when you turn on the TV, things aren't going well. So he's not going to become the most progressive president through accomplishment. He's going to become the most progressive president through appointments, appointing the first gay cabinet member, Pete Buttigieg, not qualified, but doing the first four star person to lead whatever that person over at HHS. They're not qualified. They don't talk about their accomplishments and their experience. They talk about their what box they're checking. So that in the future, every future left-wing administration is going to point to Biden as the progressive North Star and say, if you want to be more progressive, you know, he's, he's sort of, this is like the new way to show how leftist you are. Then you need to appoint two of them. You need to appoint three. He appointed the first black female pres- vice president. He never talks about her experience, does he? How great she is, how much she accomplished. She dropped out before the Iowa caucuses, her own party didn't like her. She's never pointed to her accomplishments. I mean, Biden could say he'd been in the Senate. He was chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee. That's why Obama needed him to fill this void. What did, he didn't, she didn't fill a void. She checked a box. He said it. I want to pick a female black person. He didn't say, I want to pick the most qualified person that could step in and be president. So here's where I'm going with this. Biden believes that his legacy beyond what he's done already, appointing all these people who aren't qualified, but that he can say he's done it. First gay this, first transgender this, first female to lead this, first person of color. It's always the first, or, you know, because that's what he, that's his measure, his bar of accomplishment. Most people talk about jobs, things that they've done to advance America, make the country better. Nope, this is is the new yardstick for him. So here's what's going to happen. He believes that he's the only guy that can beat Trump which clearly the polls show is not the case right now. I think almost every Republican in that Wall Street Journal poll either can beat him or is within the margin error. He believes he's going to run and win, and then he will step down, and Kamala Harris will be the president without a single vote having been cast for her. Mark my word, write this one down. That's what's going to happen. Gavin Newsom was out this weekend. He was on Meet the Press. We'll talk about that a little later. But he said, quite frankly... The filing deadlines are coming. This is how it's going to. So all this talk about Michelle Obama and all this. I'm sorry, guys. I've said this from the get-go of this show. The rules matter. And the rules are that you can't put somebody in. Filing deadlines occur, and that's how it's going to happen. They're going to pass. Even Gavin Newsom, who's dying to be president, realizes it's not going to happen. She will become president Because, and this is only if, so don't get me wrong. This is the thinking. I'm not telling you this is how it's going to happen. This is their thought process. Biden's going to be able to say, I allowed the first female to become president. Because then it'll be him stepping down and handing it to her. But mark my word, all this Michelle Obama stuff, if someone tells you that Michelle Obama is going to be the nominee, they're a stupid person. I'm sorry. She's not running. She's not, she doesn't have an apparatus. She doesn't want the job. You have to be able to get the delegates. Those are the rules. And even Gasm Newsom says he can't do it. 
Now, I think he wants it, but there's no way unless there was an open primary, and there's not. Trust me on this. All of these people who tell you about these other plans don't understand the rules of the game. It's just not going to happen. The only way this works is the way I explained. He steps down after he, quote-unquote, wins and hands it to her. Now, that, of course, again, presumes that he wins. I don't think it's going to happen. I think the American people understand what's at stake and are seeing the country. But she was asked over and over again this weekend, is she ready to assume the presidency? And she said yes. The thing that was so interesting, going back to resumes, Margaret Brennan on Face the Nation asked her about these attacks, saying the only thing that people, the only reason people want Biden to stay president is because of her. She, and she started listing off all these things that the administration has done. And Margaret Brennan says, well, they're, they're criticizing you, Kamala Harris. And Kamala Harris then ticks off her resume. She was like, I was DA. I was the attorney general of California and reelected. And I was, you know, a United States senator. That's your resume. That's great. That doesn't mean you're good. Doesn't mean you're qualified. Doesn't mean people have faith in you. I'm just telling you, that's what's going down. Speaking of the Sunday shows, Fauci, as you recall, last Saturday was on Michael Smirconis' show. I gave Smirconish credit for having him on and holding his feet to the fire, asking about this Cochrane study that says masks don't work. So Smirconish actually has uh, a clip of us on there, and I thought that was great. We get the credit for acknowledging what was happening, but Fauci went back out there. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So Smirconish now brings on this guy, Dr. Tom Jefferson. He's an epidemiologist and is the first author of the Cochrane study. And this is what he says on Smirconish. He says, it's more likely than not that they don't work, meaning masks. I tweeted about this. This guy's an actual epidemiologist. Fauci is not. Fauci then goes on ABC with third string backup host, John Carl, and gets this like softball treatment. Literally, these clips have gone viral. And this is what Smirconish had been playing, where he's showing how much coverage his interview with Fauci had gotten. And John Carl basically says, um, excuse me, doc. Um, you know, there's some questions about this study. No, there's not. The doctor had been on a day before and said this on, on Smirconish's show, had said exactly what I said, that more likely than not, they don't work. And does Carl ask a question? No, you cannot question Lord Fauci, must give him a pass. But it was interesting, but when Fauci was asked, about potential future lockdowns and things like that. Do you know what Fauci said? It's everybody's choice. You know, I don't want to dick. It's amazing how he shifted. He's like Joe Biden on Hunter Biden. You know, he, they just switch their language and hope that nobody notices. You know, Jonathan, it's a choice. Yeah, you know, 
No, it was never a choice. Before, we were idiots. Remember, we were stupid. We were selfish if we didn't wear a mask. If we didn't shut everything down. Now, suddenly, Fauci's on the, oh, you know, it just depends, bandwagon. It's amazing how it all changed. And again, he gets away with it. No accountability. He's the one who tells us over and over again that these studies are conclusive, that there's no way, and it's not true. The Cochrane study says it. And we see it over and over again, and yet nothing ever happens to hold this guy accountable because they want him at their dinners. They want him as a guest. They don't want to question it. And it's unbelievable. That's what happens on the left. This is the past that they get. I mentioned before, by the way, that Kamala Harris was on CBS's Face the Nation. And she was asked about the border and the root causes. And she's going off about climate change. Extreme weather is apparently a big cause. That was what she was going off on. And yet, Mayor Adams, the Democratic progressive mayor of New York City, says, this is a quote, that the cost of migrants will destroy New York City. Destroy New York City. Not to mention, this is a guy who welcomed folks to New York. It's amazing how when these blue states suddenly feel the pain that places like Texas and Arizona have felt for years, it's a crisis. It'll break a city. It'll break a city. What do you think's happening in Texas, in Arizona? Breaking houses, communities, businesses. Suddenly we care because Mayor Adams, but, but she gets away with nothing. They don't hold any of these people accountable. And she starts going off about random policies. These are Democrats who are saying that enough's enough. They can't handle it. It's just amazing what they get away with. And I, I just, I think that the whole point of this is a reminder about why we're here. Talked to Dave Rubin on Friday about independent media. This is amazing. Fauci literally has, uh, uh, goes on a word salad about individual and masked and blah, blah, blah. Smirconish lets him off the hook last Saturday. Then he comes back in on Sunday. And Jonathan Carl plays Ring Around the Rosie with the guy. What, what's your job? That's what you're supposed to be doing. It's unbelievable. Sticking with my Sunday show theme, by the way. Uh, it was uh, Chuck Todd's last show, and I'm going to get to that in just a sec. I do want to talk to you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. About the 14th Amendment. We've, we were literally at the forefront of this issue. Um because I saw the chatter coming up online. And, and I was like, okay, I've started to see the pattern. And, and, and it's not just the, the Trump, right? Think about pronouns, all this other stuff. You start seeing things and we smirk and we laugh. This is so ridiculous and silly. Three months go by, 
six months go by and then suddenly it's you're you're it's against the law if you don't abide by this you're going to get ostracized you didn't call me my gender fluid pronouns you didn't abide by this you didn't say this on covid whatever it is this is how these things work and look at what's happening on the 14th amendment section three that we've talked about we were out there with dershowitz talking about how ridiculous is an alan dershowitz a liberal leftist who has never voted for Trump, said it would be an illegitimate election if they took him off the ballot. But Colorado, now examining it, I told you early on, New Hampshire was looking at it, Michigan, now, Colo now Colorado. There's this big UPenn study coming that is trying to make the case. Now remember, Trump hasn't been charged with insurrection. Frankly, I don't even know that anybody involved in January 6th, to my knowledge, maybe I'm wrong, but as far as I know, no one's been charged with insurrection. Nobody. So you're going to say that this guy, that this clause in the Constitution involving people during the Civil War now applies to a guy who hasn't been convicted of a single thing? You may not like Trump. You may totally, but that's, you can't just willy-nilly do this. But remember, this is what they did in 2000. This is what I'm saying. I've seen the movie. They used COVID and said, oh, we can have a drop box there. We'll mail everybody a ballot. We don't have to abide by the rules anymore. We'll make it up as we go because it's for a greater good. That's what they all say. The journalists, the folks on the left, as long as they believe that it's for a greater good, whatever that good, as long as it's their greater good, we're all good. That's what they're doing. They did it in 2000 and this is the new version. Well, we tried COVID, we did this. Remember, Trump only lost the presidency, if you look electorally, by about 45,000 votes in a few states. That's how close this was. And I told you, I mean, go back to 2016, you think of Michigan, 10,000 votes. Boom. This is what they're doing now. It's if we can't stop them, they don't like it being this close. So what are they going to do? They're just going to take them off the ballot. This is gaining steam. Trust me. I thought it was silly at first. You've got to be kidding me. You can't just take somebody off the ballot. And here we are, state after state after state, having a discussion about just taking him off because he was involved in an insurrection. Do you think the media is going to come to his defense? No. Wake up, folks. We need to get ahead of this. So, I mean, the thing that was interesting is you you are seeing more and more folks come out on the left and even some academics on the right who don't like Trump. But Brad Raffensperger, who is the secretary of state in Georgia, wrote an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal. And he even says that this is not how we should govern. Let the people decide. This is a democracy. Once we start taking choices away, we're no better than a dictator. But if, if Raffensperger knows this, I, I just, again, it feels like anything that's in pursuit of stopping Trump is okay. It doesn't matter what you do. As long as you're stopping Donald Trump, you can do anything you want. No norm, no law, no policy is worthy of not being broken if it's in pursuit of that good, greater good that you believe. This is the left's mentality. 
I'm just telling you over and over again, we're watching this happen in front of our faces. And you go, there's no way. There's a way. Trust me. They're going to find one state. You know, Colorado seems pretty ripe for this right now. And they're going to say, well, the House impeached them. So that's good enough. Don't put him on the ballot. He doesn't get the electoral votes. You can't revote. Joe Biden wins. Joe Biden wins. He steps down. Kamala Harris president. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? Let's play the tape back in January, two years. You tell me how crazy it sounds. I don't think it's that crazy after what I've seen. No one seems to care that Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, all these states just didn't abide by the laws of their state legislatures in conducting an election because, well, it was in pursuit of the greater good. Speaking of pursuing the greater good, <laughs> you're wondering, how did I segue that in? Chuck Todd hosted his last show on Sunday after being pushed out as the host of Meet the Press. This is the interesting thing, though. He was doing a little farewell-y thing at the end with a group of his folks, and he started to talk to them about what he thought his mission was. And he said it was his job to explain Washington to America and America to Washington. What a narcissistic elitist. I call that chuck-splaining. It's chuck-splaining. You're too stupid out there to understand how this here government works. So you know what we're going to do? I got to, I, Chuck, have to explain all of this to you. And then I will go out and translate it back to these folks in Washington who couldn't bother hang out with you folks. I know that's true of NBC because after the 2016 election, I actually met with senior NBC executives who realized they got it wrong and said, we need to go out into the country more and visit these people, these Trump people. Maybe like go to a Walmart or something or to a fair. Is that where you all hang out? They were so disgusted. And that's the thing is that Chuck believes that his role as moderator was to explain to us what's going on, to give us his personal partisan point of view. He never understood the role of moderator. It's to hold officials accountable, to ask them the tough questions. Let them tell us what they think and let the viewers make a decision. We don't need Chuck Todd and his left-wing agenda to filter all of the ideas and policies. We're smart enough, Chuck, but you went bye-bye. And it's interesting, as much as I don't think he ever stood the next role, his other role, I do think it'll be interesting to see whether his successor, Kristen Walker, in her comments, she said she wanted to be the reporter that she's always been. I wish her luck. I hope she is. I don't have a lot of hope, but I wish her well. I hope that she gets back to holding people accountable, asking them tough questions, let them answer those questions, and we, the viewer, decide whether we agree with them or not. It's not her job. It's never been Chuck's job to tell us what to think. Unfortunately, that's what he thought. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, well, as I mentioned earlier today, 
As I mentioned earlier, today is the 22nd remembrance of 9-11. I wanted to have a discussion about where we are, and and I thought no better person than the gentleman we're about to to sit down with. Zachary Bell is a U.S. Marine Corps veteran. He served two tours in Afghanistan. He's got an Instagram account called Veteran with a Sign. Zachary, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. No, I, I appreciate what you do. Let me ask you. You 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 uh, first went to Afghanistan in two thousand eight. How how big of a role was nine eleven in you joining the military? I mean, with, without exaggeration, it was the catalyst event of of my life and a generation. Um, it's it's hard to even state or connect to anything like that in in these past few years or any before or after. But like, it is the moment that is like seared into my brain. Of, of when I felt this uh, call to action, this call to serve, and this de- desire to want to defend my nation. And, and how many folks that, that you served with, um, especially during your deployments, are, were in a similar mm-hmm. situation where they had joined largely because of 9-11? I would, I would say it was, it was like almost all of them. Like I remember we had, you know, it was in the infantry unit, so there's like 30 people to a platoon and 99% of them almost. I mean, I know some of my leadership had come from like recruiting and uh, they said pretty much from like 2006 to 2012, it was, they didn't even leave the offices. People just showed up like the day they turned 18 and it was, it was crazy. Um, and like, it was a whole wave of people that wanted uh, to serve the military, which was, you know, just in time for the troop surge in Afghanistan, which is what I was a part of. Do you think that um, while you were there, mm-hmm. there was this sense that uh, that what you were doing was making the country safer, that we were actually righting a wrong from 9-11? All I can speak towards is my own experience. I know on my first deployment, in the, we were in this town called Marja, I mean, not Marshall, we were in this town called Garmser in uh, Helmand Province, and there were um, schools that had been abandoned, and um, it had been the site of public executions for the Taliban uh, because they didn't want people to gain knowledge and to learn different things. Uh, so that was where they held most of their executions in that area. But we were there, um, This we were able to change that environment to, for them, and the safety and security was so dramatically different than when when we got there in, um, you know, the summer of 2008 that like, it felt like a better place. Like every day they would come up to us, say how much they appreciate us there, how much they liked going to school, how much safer they felt. And, you know, it felt like we were actually um, doing something for like a greater good. So what do you think the lessons we should take from both Iraq and Afghanistan from in terms of making us safer and, and combating terrorism? I mean, I'm I'm just a lowly infantryman, so well, I, I wasn't I, I a naval intelligence that's... like some. No, but um, but first of all, I a I, I appreciate your humbleness, but yeah, th- if it wasn't for people like you, um, that that go out there and do that, that's I I would just I don't think lowly is the right word for that ever. Um, you, you sacrificed, and so many of the the other folks that went with you did. Um, mm-hmm. and I think it's important to understand because somebody's got to go, and you did. And so mm-hmm. to, for you to, I, I think it's important if you're going to go do that, lay so much on the line mm-hmm. that there's a sense of, of um, 
of fulfillment that the mission is worth it. And, and that's what I'm getting at here is do we, do we learn lessons from there? Did we make the country safer? I mean, d- during that time that from like 2007 to 11, just, it felt like we were making a significant impact. I mean, just in the time, my first tour, there was a camp called Camp Dwyer. And I remember it was a solar shade. And when I came back in like late 2009 to 2010, it had Wi-Fi. And so like there was a significant buildup in those years. And I, you know, I'm not a military strategist. I'm, I'm you know, I'm not like schooled up in the ways of the things we've done. Um, I, I always knew we were going to pull out of Afghanistan. I am legitimately surprised that we didn't maintain some type of presence similar to how we've done in every other uh, conflict we've been in. Um, like I thought we were going to keep the bases there to be completely honest. Um, in the same way, it would have made sense. It would have made sense. Like, um, so there was even a Netflix like TV show about this, how, um, in Germany after world war two, we sent cops just from all over, like the best cops we could find to, so they could police and stop any like uprising. Because when you have these types of moments where, uh, you know, authoritarian, powers removed it creates a huge power vacuum and opportunity for all sorts of uh, corruption to happen and like i i honestly don't know why we didn't keep bagram was a big air base and the kandahar airfield base just in order to maintain some type of presence safety and security to ensure that all the things we had done prior to that moment weren't um for not so yeah and i didn't want to go there right away but since you brought it up because i i agree actually <laughs> For, for not yeah. just from Afghanistan, but strategically as a check on China. I mean, the weapons that we've yes. left, there's now out, the, the Pakistani officials are saying that they've fallen in the, the hands of the Pakistani Taliban. But mm-hmm. knowing that you deployed twice mm-hmm. and so many people paid the ultimate price, do you do you look at what how do you view what how we withdrew in Afghanistan in terms of the, the overall mission that you went out there, you know, all these good things that you talk about that it happened. Mm-hmm. And then you see the withdrawal, the way that the Biden administration did it. How did that impact your thinking? Oh, it was, it was, and it still is gut wrenching. Like without a doubt, the, um, the single handed, like most greatest thing I've seen hopefully thus far in my lifetime of like our foreign policy being enacted again, like I, I think we should have maintained a presence there. We have precedent for, you know, Vietnam, Korea, uh, Germany, and Japan. We saw bases there for these exact reasons in order to maintain um, some type of posture in the global um, safety and security of the world. Um, you know, my, my first mission was trying to um, learn more about what happened. And I've actually been able to become good friends with one of the Marines who was there who has testified in front of Congress. Um, his name is Tyler Vargas Andrews. He was there on the ground. He was a sniper. He was injured in the blast. He lost one of his arms and one of his legs, and he's made it his, life, his life's mission to talk about this incident and to hold people accountable for what happened. Because, I mean, from his perspective, firsthand knowledge, someone who was running a sniper team who had eyes on the enemy and the, you know, had intelligence coming in that could have prevented the thing, he, he won't let that be forgotten. And, I mean... He's someone that, um, you know, I'm proud to know and and proud to see how he has made it his mission to make sure that this is not forgotten. But what does that what does that do to, to morale and recruiting? If if you're sitting there saying, I mean, when you went in, you talk about mm-hmm. what I think you said, 99 percent of the people that you were you were deployed with yeah. 
got in because they felt this desire to serve. And, um, yeah. and, and so when you see what happens now, I, I just got to f- imagine that that impacts both morale and secondly, recruiting. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I think it, I think we won't really know the, the, um, the implications of it so many years from now, the full implications, but like in the, you know, um, near close and far, uh, like targets, like when looking at it that way, like it's evident. I mean, I know people who are in recruiting who are, you know, they're having the hardest times they ever had to, to just, um, fulfill the numbers or their goals they have. Um, morale seems to be all over the place, um, branch to branch. It just seems that there's a complete lack of cohesion between like, um, what the military is now and what it's supposed to do. Um, like in general, the military as a whole is a war fighting organization. And, you know, as we're no longer in a war, we have to prepare for the next one. And um, it seems that we've lost track of that, in my opinion. Yeah. Do you know, do you, would you feel confident if somebody said, Zachary, I follow you on Instagram. I've, I love, mm-hmm. like, I'd like to join the Marine Corps like you did. Would, would you tell them to join or not? Yeah, I would tell them to be an officer for sure is what I would tell them. Um, like I, I, I am a first generation college graduate. Um, you know, I was able to get a bachelor's. I was able to get a master's. I was able to see different parts of the world and have different experiences that um, were not available to me. Uh, otherwise, um, it taught me a lot about the world and understanding. Like I am a person that is eternally grateful for the opportunities I had to be able to travel and see different perspectives and different, um, cultures because like, otherwise you're, you're just kind of dense in my opinion. Like, I don't feel like our country's not perfect, but in my opinion, we're doing the best we can. And there are other countries that I've visited outside of Afghanistan, um, and seen things that are like legitimately scary to me and just the access to change and the ability to like, we're the only country, we're one of the only countries in the world where you can like literally change a whole generation just like because of like education experience in your jobs. Like you can literally go from poverty to like having, you know, all sorts of different things nobody ever thought possible. I mean, I'm living proof of that. Everyone in my family um, was working class and didn't have any future beyond that. And like, you know, now um, because I've gone to college and different things like that, there's all these like metrics and stuff that support that like my children's lives would be better and all sorts of different things like that. I mean, it is one of the greatest honors I've ever had to serve my country. Um, but I also understand if, if they don't want to do it because it's, I, I don't know, it seems like we've forgotten who we are as a country and I think we need to kind of get back to that. So let's get, let's get to that. Um, you yeah. started this Instagram site called veteran with a sign. Um, yes, sir. one of the Very signs clever. that I saw that you have says we always seem to have enough to pay for war, but never enough to cover the cost. What yes, do you sir. mean by that specifically? I mean, um, you know, we seem to have an endless pile of money to fund um, different global conflicts um, that we are not involved in. And every time, like most, uh, the most recent thing that's happened to Veterans Affairs and Benefits is the passing of the PACT Act. The PACT Act is the first step in getting you know, um, mainly, not mainly, just the majority of Vietnam veterans and different um, veterans who have toxic exposures, the benefits and treatment that they deserve, right? It's not perfect, no bill is, and no thing is, but like it's a step in the right direction. And it was literally 
it's taken years for this to happen. Like we've known about toxic exposures. We know burn pits are bad. Like everybody knows that, but like every time it comes time to like take care of veterans or like um, really understand the cost of war, we seem to pull back, but we'll send trillions to different countries to support their conflicts all over the globe. And that money just appears like as if magic, but whenever the VA asks for like the smallest amount of a budget increase or like, you know, understanding all different things associated with that, that, that that well seems to run dry the most often is is been my experience. So and, and so you know, as I said, you've got one of them behind you there saying mm-hmm. that you're worth fighting for. Why yes, did sir. you start this this Instagram account, Veteran with a Sign? I mean, um, you know, I, I served in from two thousand seven to eleven. I've um, you know during that time I had so many different experiences. It was really tough, and I missed my my one daughter being born, and I left two days after my. Uh, another one was born and um, it was really tough. So I, I was just trying to reintegrate. And one of the things I did while I was going to college was working at nonprofit organizations, trying to help uh, our community best I could. And, um, you know, I've done that for a while, worked in for-profit, nonprofit healthcare. But during the uh, pandemic, I, I've always done writing as a creative outlet. And I just, I don't know, I thought I could make like a, a little goofy thing where we could like laugh and, you know, have like nostalgia and then like, kind of start um, conversation and community. And it was really just like in my office, just being like, okay, I'll try this and asking my wife to take photos of me. And um, it slowly over time just turned into something to where like, now I want to try and speak um, like uh, truth to power about like veterans, military issues and stuff, the types of things that we're facing in order to try and like change the conversation. Like, I think we as a community are really strong. We just need to be better about the way in which we present ourselves and the way in which we speak. So like, for me, it was just like, what's the simplest thing I can do to get a message across. And so it was just um, a cardboard sign. And there was a lot of it (laughs) that I had in my house. I just started writing on it. And uh, that one is actually from the Sergeant Major of the Army, Sergeant Major uh, Grinston. He signed it when I was able to interview him and I believe it was 2021. And so, he, that was one he held. And it was really incredible. He's the 16th Sergeant Major of the Army and was, you know, true American and uh, someone I look up to a lot, actually. Even as a Marine, I got to say, I, I love <laughs> a good soldier. Yeah, you're gonna. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. you're gonna get some flack from uh, from the other Marines saying nice things. Well, about tell, I'll, if the Marine Corps called me, I'll show up. So that's that's <laughs> that's my deal. Um, do you what what do you? And I I don't mean to turn political, but but we had no, a lot no. of there's a lot of concern about how president Biden handled this medal of honor ceremony last week. Um, yes, I, I talked about it. Yeah. And, and what, what did you think of it? If I hadn't seen it, I wouldn't believe it. it just, just, just to be, just to be completely honest. And I'm, I made a very like truncated version of the video. Actually, no, I didn't I uploaded the whole thing. So, um, it's a, it's a ceremony. Um, he left before the bit, he puts the medal on the recipient. Right. Um, and he leaves like literally just jets, like right before the benediction. And um, that was highly unusual. I mean, just from my perspective, what I could see, even the audience and the the, the press corps that's there, they, they seem somewhat um, taken back by it as well. And uh, so my goal is like, listen, I just want to talk about like how cool this guy is, you know, Captain Taylor, like Lieutenant Taylor at the time, like what he did, because it is crazy, like what he did. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. He was coming home from like a security patrol he he gets a call from our reconnaissance team hey we're surrounded he goes in there puts himself in harm's way runs dry on ammo runs dry on fuel tells the reconnaissance team to jet the other way he 
He pulls the enemy away with brights to act like he's picking them up, dips out, gets them, has nowhere on his helicopter for them, and then picks up the reconnaissance team, says, grab onto the skids, grab onto the rocket pods, we're out of here. Like, that is an incredible story, and that is Uncommon Valor of it, at its highest level. I think I think uh, it would have been nice if he would have stayed right. around. Thank you for sharing your story with us today and, and the work that you're doing. I urge people to go to uh, Instagram, Veteran with a Sign, um, and, and continue to heed the messages that you're sending out. I, I really applaud everything you're doing to get the word out. Thank you, sir. You I bet. appreciate it. All right. Well, I enjoyed that discussion uh, with Zachary. I appreciate his time and, and on this day that we remember 22 years ago, the attack that happened on our country. It's important to remember whether we're a safer country, whether we've learned our lessons from that day. And, and um, so take some time today. Um, remember the sacrifice that the people at the World Trade Center, the Pentagon, Shanksville, all those folks made, um, the heroes from that day, the first responders, people who are still suffering. And then the people like Zachary that went forward after that to make sure that we never had a 9-11 again. Uh, it's tough 22 years later because so many people have forgotten. And we promised ourselves that day as a country we would never forget. So let's do our part. Share this with somebody. Tell them to watch it. Tell them about that day so that we don't forget. We remember to keep vigilant and safe. Um, Starting tomorrow, Congress is back, though. The House comes back in, and I think two big questions are going to dominate the conversation. To impeach or not to impeach, the clock is ticking. I think Republicans are forcing Speaker McCarthy's hand, number one. And then number two, we have 20 days left before there needs to be an agreement to continue the government um, funding or we come to a government shutdown on October 1st. We are going to give you our take on this all week long. Stay tuned. A lot of big questions. We will break it all down with you. A lot of important guests will be coming on to share their perspective and insight as to what's happening. But this is going to be a very, very big week in Washington. And I think they're closely linked together because Speaker McCarthy's fate is going to be tied to what actually happens. Anyway, tomorrow we've got a great discussion with Mike Huckabee. Uh, you're not going to want to miss that. Thanks for joining us and kicking off your week with us. Let us remember to never forget what happened on 9-11. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.